was not the case earlier today. <laughs> going live, going live. There Excellent. we are. Excellent. 64 people waiting. All right. I will take that number. Okay. All right. And there we are. Only four minutes late, not too shabby. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 256, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are right on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. You'd think I'd, you'd think I'd have said that once before. I do think that. Yeah. Uh, even though I saw you like 90 minutes ago, how's it going? I know, it's going pretty good. Um, I barely made it home in time. <laughs> I will say I'm going like 558, 559, there's no Zoom stream up yet. Yeah, I thought I would have been ready by, you know, like 5 to 530. Yeah. Uh, didn't get home until about 10 till got downstairs and realized that some idiot in all of his wisdom, uh, tidied away his desk. So everything's gone. Yeah. Including the microphone that I was going to use, including the camera I was going to use Well, the camera's here, but I didn't have <laughs> uh, a good tripod for it. So here we are just, uh, we're, we're on the B team equipment right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you going to give me your quick five? Uh... Yeah, I think so. Uh, you ready for this one? Uh, I'm ready for this. All right. So like there I was the other day. Uh... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, what happened to my main screen? Ah, oh, of course. I'm now it. Ah, ah, of course. Now it does that. It didn't want to yeah. do that last week. And now all of a sudden the button works, but it doesn't work. Yeah, Lovely. there you go. <laughs> yeah, like YouTube. Ah, about ah, a bing. <laughs> oh let's see who's all in chat tonight let's see what we got uh elaine sadly drinking cough syrup tonight that's terrible but uh hopefully it's a high proof uh and hope you feel better let's see we've got who else we got in here uh Vincent's got uh, his Bulldog root beer ready to go. That works for me. Also, hello. <laughs> uh, Dominic's got some iced tea. Let's see. Cody's got a Captain Morgan spiced and Coke Zero. That's always a fantastic choice. Uh, Bourbon and Coke, Elijah Craig. Ooh, love me some Elijah Craig, especially their small batch. Uh, anyone else got some Perrier? Some Perrier, some, uh, you know, fresh English spring water from their fresh English English spring water generator. 
to give you an idea of what I'm up against today, where my brain's at, rush to get home. I grab, you know, a couple beers out of the fridge. I also go, hey, wow, I have a nice ginger beer in there. Maybe I'll do a bourbon and ginger. So I grab my bottle of Buffalo Trace, and I'm pretty sure I brought it down with me, and it is nowhere to be found. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows what we're going to be doing? Yep. Oh, boy, oh, boy. That's funny. So for, so my my stream deck, not to be confused with my Steam deck, my stream deck, my Elgato multi-button OLED thing, um, for some reason is not showing scene number one. And so it's switching to the wrong scene. So when I want to go back to this scene, it, it just won't. <laughs> That's annoying. Yeah. I don't know why it's not displaying it, but it's not giving me scene one for an option. My wife to the rescue. She found my bourbon. Oh, there you go. She, she must have been watching upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Red appreciates it. Uh, Thank God for our better halves, people. Where would we be? Yes, no doubt. Uh, let's see. Sean says tonight's beverage is Rogue Brewing Colossal Clod. That is a fantastic West Coast IPA. Uh, yeah. Very, very thick. Uh, definitely a favorite over here in Oregon. Uh, made right here in Newport, Oregon. Uh, Elliot sipping on some Jameson. Uh, you got to get more specific than just Jameson. I mean, are you are you red? Right. Are you black label? Are you you know cold brew stout edition? What do you got? Like Elijah, you can just say Elijah, and I'm gonna assume small batch, unless you say like barrel cask or something like that. But uh, you know, you got to elaborate on the Jameson. So what's funny is uh, Rhett and I, it feels like we're switching roles tonight uh, because here you are doing a bourbon and here I am opening a bottle of wine. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, so episode 256, to some, it's just another number. To me, it's like, we're no longer 8-bit compliant. This is, we're, we're going to... We're going to start writing memory where it shouldn't be. Uh, so I figured I would break out one of my bottles of Kanar. Ooh. So. Nice. Yes. So I decided I'm going to open some Kanar. Well done. Smooth move, my Ooh, man. Wow. Ooh. Boy, that is dessert wine if there was ever a dessert wine. Oh. That is sweet. I'm a bit jealous. Now I know why you were so insistent. You're like, you sure you don't want to do the show? Sure you want to come to the studio tonight? Great. Pour myself a, a good old goblet of it. There you go. And subbles half the bottle. Say goodbye <laughs> to Jeff, guys. <laughs> right. Well, I did bring another beer, so I'm going to set this aside. Uh, Rhett, we can share this on Friday when you're here. Okay, looking forward to it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll split the difference. Uh... Yeah, fermented grape juice. Yeah, 16 and 32-bit era for the win. That's right. No longer 8-bit. We're going to 9. Deep Space 9, says Skull. There you go. Thus the Canar. <laughs> See, with, with me, you've always got to focus on, like, the Easter eggs and the inside jokes and things like that. So, yes, going to 9. So let's have some Canar. 
Uh, let's see. Tiny Paul sipping on some high wire brewing mountain water. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Morning from the UK having a vodka, vodkid and Coke. Is that a vodka and Coke? V-O-K-I-D. Vodkid and Coke. Uh... Are you still drinking vodka and Coke, or did you wake up and choose vodka and Coke? <laughs> That's my question. Uh, Chuck Norris has raspberry vodka and Dr. Pepper. Uh, and I think we'll we'll finish with this. Justin Keller says Quadro K2000, 3000, 4000, 5000, or 6000. Um, are you asking, like, what you should buy uh, for a gaming card? Are you asking workstation-wise? Are you asking, are they any good anymore? Um, my answer to that is no. Uh, if you want to know how badly you should just go buy a Pascal video card, go watch my Tesla P4 <clears throat> video that I did just a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, it goes over all of the architectural differences between Maxwell and Pascal and why Maxwell and especially Kepler should be completely avoided at this point at all costs. Uh, Maxwell, if you've still got like a, a 980 Ti, yeah, you're going to be all right. But you can get a GTX 1080 for 160 bucks. So, and prices are just going to fall from here. In fact, prices are still falling on the used market uh, pretty quickly, I might add. So, yeah, if you're looking at buying one, don't. <laughs> Although, ironically enough, like in the next couple of weeks, I do have a Kepler video coming out. So, <laughs> that's Boy. different. It's the professionals. Ooh. This is straight up like dessert port. Uh, now, for those who don't know, canar is supposed to be like a syrup. It's supposed to be like so thick you can actually cut it on its way out of the bottle. It pours like molasses. Um, so far, this is giving me all the right vibes. <laughs> if this was trying to be Kanar, yet still be palatable to my, you know, crappy human taste buds. Your, your human mm -hmm. gastrointestinal fortitude. Well, you know, that's pretty good. Um, not quite as thick as I was fearing. Uh, it's actually... Boy... It's not light either. <laughs> now, forgive me, I'm not the most affluent wine taster in the world, but I do know how to taste beverages. Uh, and yes, that is Baby X in the background. Uh, he's mad about something. I can't uh, hear anything. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he, he pipes in occasionally. But uh, yeah, uh, right now we're trying to teach him to stop biting. So <laughs> that's going well. I don't often talk about, you know, parental strategies on this show, but uh yeah, we're uh we're teaching him to please don't bite. Uh he was doing this really cute thing for a while where if he wanted your attention and you weren't paying attention to him, uh he would walk up to you, put his mouth on your leg and raspberry you. Just <laughs> <laughs> Which was freaking adorable, but now he moved on from that to like just I'm just going to bite you. Straight up biting. Straight yeah, he's up, like, I, yeah. I don't want laughter anymore, okay? <laughs> right. Like, you guys were cute, but it's time to pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention <laughs> we have. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
very sweet, not overly oaky, not clingy at all. Uh, that was all the other thing that I was kind of worried about was this may end up being a little syrupy, um, and, and clingy on the, on the palate. This is not, uh, so mouthfeel, not light, but not syrup, but also doesn't stick with you. It's like it touches your tongue. And then as soon as you swallow, it's gone. And I kind of like that. That's good. Sweet. I All love, right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, founder of Franzia, you know, the boxed wine, everybody's yeah, sitting yeah. at the store. Well, like the original founder, he passed away and somebody shared a quote from him in a newspaper. <clears throat> and this journalist had asked him, like, how do you get away charging less than they charge for water for your wine? And he goes, they're overcharging you for the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Finally, someone uh, says it out loud. It's just such a baller quote. He's like, you don't get it, do you? He's like, right. I, uh, my, my product is reasonably priced. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's because they're um, overcharging you for the water. <laughs> I do have uh, bourbon and ginger ready to go, but I got ice for that. I think it's gonna it's gonna hold. So I might. Um, I've got a hop slam ale uh, from John Shubin, uh, probably like probably like a year ago, maybe at this point. I've been hanging yeah. on to it. Um, Actually, I, th I think the hop slam might have been from AJP because I think I got those from him and then gave John a couple. That might have been it because you were doing a beer run, right? And you brought it. I just thought I remembered you saying, "Yeah, I, I think John, but I no, think AJP right. or maybe it even Scotty." It was clearly shipped. Yeah, because the 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 cap is all tapes and everything. So yeah, that that might have been Scotty. It might have been AJP. I okay. I don't quite remember, but yeah, one of our Michigan peeps. So major major apologies for getting that wrong, people. But uh, <laughs> whoever sent this delicious hop slam over, I am going to crack it and enjoy it before Excellent. your very eyes. Excellent. Uh, parenting only gets more and more difficult. Brace yourself. Uh, and as Andrew says, it's my third. I'm sure I've got it figured out. Just when you think you have it figured out, there's something new. Um, and man, every kid is vastly different from the last, uh, and yeah, uh, <laughs> parenting is single-handedly the best thing I've ever done with my life. Uh, but I also can't ever recommend having kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We were thinking of, oh God, no, don't do that. I know. I saw a couple of depressing <laughs> tweets the other day where, um, you know, some parent was saying, uh, you know, like, oh, my little sister, you know, she was saying, man, I thought, <laughs> uh, like, I thought that they would get easier as they got older, but they just got way harder in way different ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like oh, I said, man. I'm not going to go any further into parenting talk. Um, you know, I... I don't want to embarrass my kids. I don't want to talk about anything on the air uh, because they're kids. Enough of their lives is going to be ingrained on the internet anyway. I don't need yeah. to add to it. Um, so, excellent. 
nice, yeah. nice, nice choice. I, I love a good hop slam. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it gets more difficult in much more interesting ways. Like you think you finally got some things handled and then something else crops up and it's just like, all right, square one. Let, let's regroup. How do we handle this? I don't know. And my buddy the other day, he said the key to his parenting strategy is he's got all sorts of sports metaphors. This one was you got to learn to play hurt. And I did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like that one. <laughs> you know, what's really funny. Uh, uh, my, my favorite analogy was uh, when we had two kids, I and, and this is going to get a little a little personal. But when we had two kids, I kind of wanted to be done. And uh, and I said, you know, I have no problem, you know, manning up you know, playing man defense. It's that switch from man to zone. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> like I, I can handle one-on-one. I, you know, I playing a deep cover two, someone's going to be running wide. <laughs> like someone's running free and it's still your fault. And I don't like it. <laughs> well, the good news is Jeff, no matter what happens, sometimes you just got to give them 12 yards and, and hope you can tighten up near the goal line. <laughs> And you got to remind yourself that Michael Jordan never won the game by halftime, you know? Yeah, but he also had Scotty. I was just trying to be a cute little metaphor guy there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he also had Scotty. He also had, uh, oh gosh, Steve Kerr. He also had uh, uh, Rodman. He also, like... Nike. Yeah, he also had Nike. <laughs> like, like, he had... Two of the best distributors the game has ever known. He's one of the best shooters the game has ever known. And then he had the all-everything defensive player to really ever play the game in Rodman. Like, there were some games that were done at halftime. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? They're just like, and there we are going to call it, folks. Uh... (laughs) Bulls 72. Pistons 30. They put up a brick from downtown. <laughs> Nail in the coffin. You know, I one time had the NBA Jam guy uh, briefly on my podcast. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, he actually did. Um, I got him to do the intro to my podcast. You know, Welcome so he did the to voice. NBA yeah. Jam, Jam, Jam. Nice. Yeah, he did this whole spiel. Like, if he's like, if you want to level up your skills, go to GameDevsQuest.com. <laughs> Because I'm heating up. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That is so cool. It was cool. Um, now I kind of need to get him again so I can just have him do a, like, welcome to craft computing. I, I would love that for some of our gaming focus pieces. And I can do like an 8-bit craft computing logo that does the, the pull in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then we could have him do a couple lines, and so like when we get into like a rant alert, we could have it like you know he's heating up, <laughs> he's on fire. <laughs> yes, I have his business card. So <laughs> is he on Fiverr? Because <laughs> he might I'll, be by now. To be I'll, honest, <laughs> I'll drop a couple bucks. Like <laughs> he was I think... a really nice guy. Um, I told him what I was about and kind of what mm-hmm. I wanted from him, and. He, uh, he did it, you know, um, completely free of charge, which was cool. But uh, he did encourage me to spend a little bit of money on merch. So I, I took the hint. I helped him out. 
and uh, he went nice. above and beyond for me. That's so. awesome. I love people like that. Yeah. Uh, I've been on numerous podcasts and things like that. I've never once asked for payment because I find it fun. I get exposure. Like if, if you're going to pay me an exposure, have an audience to expose me to. And cool. <laughs> you want to come, you want me to come talk at a conference? We'll talk because now you're paying me for my skill set. But if you're wanting to like, you know, hey, let's have a good conversation where, you know, you come on my podcast or I go on yours or whatever. Cool. Let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah. See, so guys, it worked out for me. Now I have a job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Where did that thing go? I don't know. Oh, Looking describe at... it and I'll tell you exactly where it is. This it's, is my shtick, guys. It, it, it's that little thing that I showed you this morning. Oh, uh, well, I thought you put that on the workbench, to be honest, but... I thought so, too, but I'm looking back here and I don't see it. The thing oh, that you I, held... I, I see it, I see it, I see it. It's on the workbench. Yeah, yeah, what I say. What he does. I say, guys, it's my shtick. It's my thing. You guys got anything else you want me to find? Give a shout-out in chat, and I'll find it. What are we looking for? I'm basically like... Um, What's her name? You know, Madam Theo or whatever. Right. But uh, so uh, who was it? Eric says, anyone here have a Tesla uh, P4? Um, I have two Tesla P4s, but I also have the T4. If, yeah. if anyone wants to know what that looks like. Stay little, tuned. Little spoiler there for you. Stay tuned. So anyway. What do you say now that it's almost 30 minutes in? <laughs> Technically only 22. We did start a couple minutes late. So, mm -hmm. uh, What do you say we get to some news? Starting with, um, let's just say I have the rant alert on standby. Because uh, we might have some words. Equifax uh, recently surveyed 1,000 of their workers using internal tools that they normally use to sell to third parties for mining data uh, based on income and revenue and things like that that are reported to major credit agencies, Equifax being one of them, uh, tied the revenue reports to their internal employees and uh, contract workers and fired 24 of them for having multiple jobs. Yeah, incredible, right? By the yeah. way, this is the same company who uh, mistakenly leaked the data of like a million of its uh, compulsory users. Yeah. Um, nobody like turned of age and was like, you know what I really want? A company to monitor my credit worthiness and mm -hmm. uh, risk level. Mm -hmm. uh, and then nobody said, you know what I really want? A company whose negligence led to the leaking of uh, over a million of those files uh, to do that. And now nobody wants that same company who is so very good at handling uh, its clients' information and privacy to surveil whether or not we work one or more jobs, two or more jobs. Surprise, I'm, look I'm, I'm, outside. Inflation is skyrocketing. Yeah, inflation, by the way. That's what they want you to call it, but <laughs> it's just price gouging. And so some of us go, 
Gee, Gall, you know what would really help me put bread on the table and feed my family? A second job. And these yahoos over here, they think that you need to work eight hours a day to get something done, but you don't. So you use that extra time instead of just refreshing your email feed to work another job. Kudos to these people. This is bull crap. Yep. I'm just going to keep the rant alert on because I also have something to say about this. He's heating uh, up. Oh, oh yeah, he's heating up. He, oh, I'm, I'm on fire. I, I'm pissed off. Uh, here's the deal. If these 24 employees who were fired, by the way, 24 out of 25 that they discovered were mo- working multiple full-time jobs, some as many as three, um, if they were fulfilling their duties, what, what justification do you have for terminating their employment? Now, I, I understand that... God dang it. Uh, I understand that employment is at will in most places. You don't have to have reasons for firing people. You don't have to have reasons for termination. If you explicitly state one and it's on the protected class list, then you get in trouble. So we love the at will. We're just going to fire you. Right. That's the Uh, garbage. Right. Um, Now, if those 24 employees were fulfilling their job duties... They had no cause for termination because Equifax, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I'm not, I'm not positive. An employment lawyer? Oh. <laughs> I'm not positive, but I'm assuming that these were not salaried employees. These were likely 40 hourly employees, which means they're paying per hour, per minute, per second of work time. Uh, which means if I'm not on the clock, I'm free to work for someone else. It seems to me as someone who has many times worked multiple jobs or had a job and then done contracting on the side or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, for the first three and a half years of this channel, I essentially worked two jobs, one with my employer and the other where I stuck a camera in my face and uploaded to YouTube. And uh, that very quickly became a job. If my employer found out that I was posting to YouTube in my own private time and not mentioning my employment and had no bearing on my employment (laughs) and I wasn't doing it during work time, would they have any justification for firing me? No. That's the problem. The justification is that, like, well, they're an at-will employment state. It's still garbage. Yeah. Like, that. that's what's bonkers to me is nobody has an issue with workers having more than one job when they got to drive their ass from one location to the next. John Jay says unless they were working for a competitor. And that is definitely cause for firing. No moonlighting. If it's in your contract, if it's in your employment, because there's nothing that when you get hired for Walmart that says you can't go work for 7-Eleven or Safeway. Uh, (laughs) Here's the part that really gets me worked up. When you read the article, it's over on Ars Technica. We'll link it. It's linked down below. Towards the bottom, uh, one of their spokespeople says, um, by the way, they gave it a really cheeky nickname, which even pisses me off even more. Equifax's investigation, which at one point was dubbed Quote, Project Home Alone. <laughs> um, 
they said that the violation wasn't the only reason that 24 employees were terminated. And then he goes on to quote, Equifax followed all applicable laws in its handling of this situation, Walker told ours. Uh-huh. Quote, these employees were terminated because of multiple factors, including in many cases their own admission that they had a secondary full-time job, which prevented them from filling their full-time obligations to Equifax. Now, here's where it gets me. I've worked this position before <clears throat> yeah. where... We've both done like contract things and multiple employees. Like we've both lived this life. But I, and and also to my shame, I've been to Equifax here in this position where I'd bring somebody in Mm -hmm. for violating store policy or for breaking the law. And I would say, do you know why you're here? And blah, 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 blah. And I'd put the bad cop face on and I would say, look, um, you know, I really want to help you out, but I'm going to need a voluntary written statement. You're, you're writing it of your own free will. The keyword here is voluntary. I'm good, but I'm going to need it, right? And you go ahead and in your own words, I'm not going to coach you. You tell me what you did and whether or not you're sorry for it. And without a doubt, they go, this is my chance to save my job. And they go, I stole a Coca-Cola from the thing and I'm really sorry. And then we get to go, in their own words, they said they stole it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what Equifax is doing here. I've right. played this game. Yeah. And it's bull crap. It's garbage. It's just like, oh, they, they admitted it. Ugh. Yeah, probably. It's like the same way. Like when you're in when you're in uh, you're in court and you're facing criminal charges, and the judge goes, "Are you making this plea of guilty of your own free will, free of coercion?" The truth of the matter is, almost nobody makes that plea free of coercion. The whole right. system coerces you to do it. And if you're working at Equifax. For chump change, the whole system of Equifax is bearing down on you to admit the truth that doesn't benefit you in a single way. Yeah, there's... Now, the reason this is in our tech news is because what we started at in the beginning of this story, it's very troubling in this day and age, although we're going to see it more and more. We've seen this with... I've been on the hiring side where we will interview a potential applicant and then check their Facebook and Twitter profiles to make sure that they're not some racist, bigoted a-hole that's going to, you know, get our company in trouble. Your public profile is part of your employment application at this point. Didn't used to be that way. Didn't used to be that way at all. The background checks used to consist of, does he have an arrest record? And if so, was it a violent offense? And that was it. Uh, and I've had, I've had tweets that I've made and a lot of people have seen my Twitter profile. So they know what I'm talking about, uh, read to me in job interviews and they like, they're acting like it's a big old gotcha. They like read a a tweet that I made and they're like, does that sound familiar? Who might've written that? uh, I know my Twitter is public, bro. It wasn't an accident. Did you think that was funny? Uh, at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny. And I think it's about you. No. (laughs) (laughs) But Equifax used their position as an employer first and as a private credit bureau who people pay money to, sorry, people, who corporations pay money to, to analyze credit risk on individuals, companies, etc. Uh, they used that revenue stream data 
to target their own employees and terminate them. Because there's a chance that we're not getting all of the value out of out of our employees that that they signed up for, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm. Pretty awful. <laughs> Michael Pretty says awful. Michael says, was that when Jeff interviewed you? <laughs> Jeff fully endorses my uh, Twitter profile. <laughs> I say he doesn't go too far enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, wow, you're really pulling your punches there. Right. 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 Uh, I need you to be more explicit. Uh, <laughs> we don't want anybody wondering what you're saying. Uh... <laughs> Next time, tag them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> At Linus Media Group. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sweet WAN hoodie. Uh, yeah, it'd be a shame if somebody bought it. Right. As a joke. <laughs> yeah, totally joking. Totally 100%. and completely joking. <laughs> yeah, no seriousness whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we do happen to have a sponsor on whatever this show has evolved into. And as always, that sponsor is, if I can click the right button, Linode. Uh, hosting your own servers means that you also get to host all of your own problems. Like uh, my OBS thing. Keep messing up my... Ah! There I am. Hi. Keep messing up my... Ah! Hosting your own servers also means you get to host all your own problems. Even the most skilled IT managers among you will tell you that you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software for most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go. With dedicated CPUs or virtualized hosting, GPU hosting, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed with 12 new global data centers planned for the end of 2023. Visit Linode.com slash Craft Computing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's Linode.com slash Craft Computing. And again, thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Linode. With Linode, it won't explode. That's their catchphrase. We, we talked about this, Red. <laughs> yeah, you said it was awesome. <laughs> You said, if I can say it 10 times in one night, I get a bonus. <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. Just for that, I'm going to drink all the canard, though, because there was an NDA on that agreement. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Bit by the fine print again, boys. It happens. You got to read the fine print. All oh, right. Uh, speaking of clickbait, <laughs> yeah. uh, Kotaku says that NVIDIA cancels their cheapest new PC graphics card, leasing only the expensive huge ones. Um, no, it's not what happened. Uh, so, obviously the RTX 4090 has launched. The RTX 4080 should be launching near the end of October. What is it, October 29th, I wanna say, like sometime next week. Um, don't know, don't have one. 
At this point, I don't even care if NVIDIA calls me. Uh, but uh, there was some controversy around the announcement of the Ada Lovelace graphics cards, the 4000 series RTX cards, uh, specifically around the naming scheme. Uh, now, unfortunately, this article doesn't have the exact specs of the... Uh, of the card, so let me uh, pull that up real quick. Sounds like your uh, in-studio employee just found a really awful link all around. Yeah. Gonna have to have a talk with that guy. Yep, there you go. All right, so here we go. So the 4080 or 4090 uh, has, what, something like 15,000 CUDA cores, I wanted to say. Uh, the 4080 came in two variants, the 16 gigabyte and the 12 gigabyte. Now, NVIDIA has used dual SKUs before, usually with some very minute differences. Uh, the GTX 1060 is the last time that I remember this really happening. And there were actually a number of different GTX 1060s. Uh, they all use the same physical GPU, so the same physical die. Uh, the 6 gig had slightly more CUDA cores than either the 5 gig or the 3 gig. The 5 gig coming much later in the generation. Um, but this time around, there's a stark, stark difference between them. Uh, so for starters, the RTX 4080 16 gig uh, has 4,720, or excuse me, 9,728 CUDA cores. Uh, versus the 12 gigabyte version only had 7,680, which is a 26% disparity uh, towards the higher tier graphics card, which means it would be only three fourths as fast. It would be only 75% the speed of the same card, of the same 4080. Look, I'm willing to forgive five to 10% you know, with slightly higher clocked or higher tier graphics cards, you know, with the 1060, I wasn't thrilled that they split the 1060 with a six gig and a three gig, nor was a lot of the media. Uh, but there was a $30 price point between, or sorry, $50 price point at launch. It was 229 versus 279. I want to say at launch of those cards. Uh, and honestly, performance per dollar was roughly the same. Uh, and so it's really hard to like point the finger and go, aha, we got you. Uh, in this case though, that's quite a disparity. That only getting three quarters of the performance when you go, hey, I know Nvidia makes a 4090 and a 4080 and presumably will a 4070 and a 4060. Uh, hey, I'm gonna get the second highest tier, but you know what? I don't need 16 gigs. I'll just go with 12. Well, what you would have wound up with was three quarters of a graphics card. That's why NVIDIA killed this card. And probably because of this move and because of backlash from the media and from, from consumers, they're going to have to renumber and rename their entire product stack below this. This is not just NVIDIA's canceling the lower tier 4080, although it might be. They might just remove it from their product stack. Uh, but if they rename this card to the 4070, what happens to the card that would have been the 4070? Does that become the 4060? What happens to the 4050? Does that become a 
you know, GT 4030. Like, like NVIDIA has all of their SKUs already mapped out for the next two years of what they expect of these dies and what their binning is going to be. They're not stupid. Uh, these aren't just willy-nilly things that they're throwing out here. There's acceptable loss, there's acceptable bins, there's there's who gets which tier of card, there's where you can put each GPU die. Having to cancel a, a die like this uh, throws the entire rest of your product stack into disarray. So it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out if this 7,680 CUDA core GPU uh, with... 12 gigabytes of, of GDDR6 ever sees the light of day. And what is it called when it is? Or does it just go the way of the Dodo and they come up with another product to integrate that SKU into? Maybe maybe some kind of Tesla or RTX based card. Who knows? But uh, this was not just, uh, yeah, we decided not to do this one. No, you got called out. Call it what it is. Yeah, Kotaku brands it almost as like a push to make consumers spend more money. Right. Um, Which it kind of was, but not for the reasons they're claiming. Right, it was yeah. it was called the 4080 to avoid being a 4070 at a higher price point than any previous 70 generation card or right. 70 series card. It was a push to get more money when they announced it because they right. put a higher number on it. So... And I'm not going to say good guy NVIDIA for canceling this card either because they freaking knew what they were doing in the first place. I wonder why NVIDIA never samples me. It's weird. <laughs> well, who knows what they'll do? Be interesting to see. Yes. NASA says space tech could cut electric car charging to uh, times to five minutes or less. That is a zero to, or sorry, 5% to 80% charge in five minutes. Yeah. Apparently using a technique they call subcooled flow boiling. Um, they're able to essentially remove an immense amount of heat. Right. Uh, from the chargers. Right. So... In the vacuum of space, you have this wonderful advantage to running electronics, in some cases, of it being between negative 200 and negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and we all know that uh, heat is kind of the enemy of electronics, and heat is especially the enemy of battery-based electronics, of, of chemical decomposition and, and electrolyte swapping and all the things that happen when you're charging and cycling a battery. When you heat it, or when you charge it, it heats up. When you discharge it, it also heats up. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things with current generation battery technology. Uh, however, if you keep it cooled, and by subcool flow boiling, they can uh, boost the electrical uh, current of EV chargers to roughly 1400 amps up from the 520 amps that are currently supplied in fast chargers. So that'd be your Tesla superchargers or your level two charging and all those other things. Uh, now, potentially this is also going to draw a lot more on the electrical network and or would require 
removable batteries or or cooling systems to be integrated into battery packs within the car. So this isn't going to be like a zero cost thing. Uh, there's a fair amount of engineering that's going to be needed to go into this, and it's not a plug-and-play solution. However, the science is there, and that's kind of what we pay NASA to do, is, is uh, you know, to quote Mark Watney, science the S out of stuff. <laughs> so... Science the S? So just... Kyants? Ki- so just Kyants. Well, no, no, the, the, the C would be still S, so science the the science out of stuff right i don't like that that's too weird <laughs> you probably pronounce a gif yeah of course i do i'm a red-blooded millennial uh, Rhett, we're going to let you go and pronunciation <laughs> is not a protected class <laughs> yeah that's what you said when i told you i used the right shift key as well <sighs> again with the fireable offenses can i say we're an at-will employment state jeff (laughs) you didn't fire me i quit that's right (laughs) well cool i don't need to worry about your unemployment claims then (laughs) uh by the way this is all recorded (laughs) yeah you're welcome (laughs) thank you this next story i found incredibly interesting and I actually have a question deposit uh, that we didn't talk about earlier today, but this is going to be a serious, serious discussion in the realm of AI related to content creation, related to ownership. Okay, so that you've been briefed. AI-generated imagery is going to be replacing clip art as Microsoft adds DALI to its Office suite. Uh, for those who don't know what DALI is, it is a, it's been all the rage on meme generation and what's the funniest thing that I can posit to, or the, the funniest situation that I can create, like uh, Worf doing a the weather instead of Al Roker. Like, the, there, you pot, you give it a situation or a character or a, or a combination of the two, and it will generate images that are reminiscent of those situations. And the, um, the accuracy in which it can generate those images has been going up exponentially, and that's putting it very lightly, over the last six months. Uh, Is Worf... Doing the weather, the funniest thing you could think of right there? It really was. <laughs> it really was. It really was. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Now that that's cleared up, back on track. Right. You got something better? No, I wouldn't okay. have taken okay. a shot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I took a shot. It didn't land. You didn't have to point it out. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just was very specific. <laughs> Very specific. You have to give it specific criteria. That's okay. Fair enough. Okay. No. I, you, I could just imagine Katie Couric going like, and for to the weather, on to wharf. What's going on? And he's standing in front of all the people holding signs on the Today Show. And where are you from? Like. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a cold front moving in from the east. You know. The, yeah, I had the whole situation mapped out in my head, and it didn't land. 
This is a. I thought this was a safe place to, to you know, rough sketch stuff. It is. I'm working on it with you right now. You're terrible at this. Well, there's right. a reason you work for me now. <laughs> yeah, I need somebody to really rein in my my humor and focus it, sharpen it. Right. You know, make it make it one with your arm. Huh? Huh? You're not helping. All right. <laughs> um. So the implication of this uh, is that instead of browsing a thousand clip art images inside of Microsoft pre-curated one art style uh, catalog or buying 20,000 clip art images from that $10 CD in Walmart. Um, boy, am I really dating myself now? Like that's, how many references is that? Uh, that you would say, hey, I need an image of a wedding cake Gosh, give, give me a situation. Let's Mad Lib this crap. What, is this Sunday night improv at the Comedy Cellar now? Yes, it suddenly is. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, let, let's roll this back. So what are we doing? Never mind. The moment is past. No, it's I, not past. I'll I, give you a situation, but you mentioned like wedding cakes or something? I'm just going to open Dolly. Tell you what, let's... Uh... Okay, uh, Worf does wedding cakes. Um, okay. for fun. Nailed it. Wharf on Cake Masters. There we go. There you go. Or the Great British British Bake Off yeah. or something. Um, there we go. I'm looking. There we go. Here's the uh, the actual someone who's hosting it. Uh, got it. I know this is riveting YouTube right now. Us like spitballing this, but. Is it not going to... For some reason, this doesn't want to bring up the site in Firefox. Of course. Naturally. I'm going to do something disgusting right now. Is that Edge? It's Edge. What's disgusting about that? Edge is a great browser. Edge is a great browser, but I still feel dirty. Like... <laughs> Can't even use the reference that I thought of right there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wharf on Great British Bake Off. Run. There we go. So let's say I needed a clip art image of Wharf in the Great British Bake Off because I had this, you know, astounding Star Trek talk I was going to give about the culinary teachings of 24th century Earth. Uh, you know, I could just yes. type that in and I would get an AI image. Yeah, it's going to be the Klingon, the Klingon influence on Earth cuisine. You know? Right, right. Now, here's my question, okay? If I created a presentation in PowerPoint yes. and I used clip art that is generated by Dolly, hosted by Microsoft, yes. who owns the right to that image? Yeah, th that's the big problem I have with the whole thing in general. And, you know, that's the focus of the discourse on Twitter, if anybody's not plugged into it. Right. Because the problem is, right, just kind of like what it really reminds me of, not to get derailed too much here, but like, remember when minting NFTs was like really sweeping Twitter for a moment, like right before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, and prolific artists who freely 
made their art available on places like DeviantArt or ArtStation. We're having their art stolen and minted. Um, and now I'm not saying that that's what this is, but it's pretty well understood that these AI art generators are scraping the web mm -hmm. from those art repositories like DeviantArt, ArtStation, and so forth. And they're mashing together all of these different things so that you get Wharf on the Great British Baking Show like this. And some of those are just pure nightmare fuel. I, I, I love <laughs> that we have red shirt and yellow shirt Wharf all together. Like, yeah, we even got a little like, like yellowish green down here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now look at the picture on the bottom right. What is yeah. wrong with that person's face on the left? Oh, it used the same generation for the face. It looks like. You remember? Do you guys remember the images of that? Um, uh, this is probably this is probably weird. I don't know, but like uh, in the mid aughts, like there were memes about this person named Brian Pepper. That's what that. That's what Worf's face looked like right there. Yeah, but really uh, my internet usage there. Right, but anyway, who owns the rights to this image? Because. Presumably, if I'm using a tool that Microsoft built into PowerPoint, then I would hold the rights to any images that I embedded in there. That's always been in the end user agreement for that. What if I were to take those images out of PowerPoint and sold them as art? Because could you could you define a, defi a derivative work uh, by the query that you give Dali to generate an image, is that derivative enough of original art to constitute your own creation? Does Microsoft own it because they Some created the algorithm that. that will that will bind them together? I think it's kind of offensive, actually. I saw somebody who was making um, art for a tabletop role-playing book, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, and. Uh, they were like, if you use my images or my prompts, I expect credit. Mm -hmm. If you use my prompts, I expect credit. I was like impressed with the audacity. Mm -hmm. I don't I, I, like it's easy for me to take a stance. I, I think that the whole idea of AI generated art is very cool, but I find that the way that the, like the normies are using it, quote unquote, right. to be like offensive, you know, like I think you and I understand and, and the people watching the show understand how it is generating this art. And we understand the limitations and we understand the value and the perimeter of what it is. And as, and as people who have to, use rough graphic design skills on a daily basis. Like we understand that there is like a, there's a high value on something like what Dolly is capable of doing. Yes. But to take, like, imagine if you were writing a paper and I was like, Hey man, I found you a good source, but here's the deal. If you use it, I really need you to credit like, or, or like, here's a good Google search. Just search this. But if you use that, I need you to cite me in your essay, you know, like you use my Google search, bro. I need credit for it. Like get out of here. You know, yeah. uh, that's what it sounds like. Right. And, and it's not that far away from that. Is the query itself copyrightable? 
We'll find out. And I guarantee all of us, no matter what side of the debate we are on for this, are going to be disappointed. Yeah. I don't want to be one of these like romantics who claims that there is a value in, you know, an inextricable value placed on art that's created by human beings. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to equate your prompt to like a person like moving a brush or whatever it is that they're doing, like that's embarrassing. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Right. right. Like, I'm not going to be that, you know, I'm not going to be over here and be like, well, you know, there's no soul in Dolly <laughs> art. Cause I've seen some like really impressive, like pieces that were generated with these things and yeah. they're, they are cool and they are inspiring. They really get your imagination moving. And if you're using them in that way, like really to get your imagination burning and on fire for whatever project you might be using, like kudos to you. That's a really good use for something like this. The universe of art and visual art is at your fingertips. Yeah. But if you're going to try to replace every living artist on the face of the planet with this, like I'm just embarrassed for you. <laughs> and not because what Dolly and all of these other things, like uh, what's it like mid journey or whatever. It's not that they're incapable of making moving things, but it's just, again, it's the people that are using it. And they're like, I've replaced all living artists with my prompt skills. And they'll say that they're like, it's a skill. It's right. uh, I had to really refine my prompt. I'm like, congrats, dude. Congrats. Had to give it just the right question. Yeah. And of course my phone is across the room, so I can't uh, two FA to create my Dolly two account. Because <laughs> Dolly 2 is the really impressive one. Dolly 2 is the photorealistic right. uh, prompt generator. Yeah, I, I was going to do Wharf on the Great British Bake Off on Dolly 2 and see what it came up with. And then I'm sure there's even a way to refine that and really, really pull it out. Something nice. You know, right. But... Oh, and again, once you have 80% of the image generated, you can Photoshop the rest. Right. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of, of possibility there. Uh, Rom says, according to current laws, that AI-generated art, no one can actually own it. Uh, but the problem with that is I could see where in, in a system where Microsoft replaces clip art with AI generation, and then there's also an end user who is you know, generating these pictures with prompts inside of their application, you could have at a bare minimum, three parties claiming rights to an image, depending on the prompt and depending on the source material. Is Microsoft feeding it only Creative Commons based no. uh, assets? In which case, and even from that, Creative Commons has attribution licenses for for using segments of their image can you feed those images into the algorithm or is that an acceptable input you know it, where's the line well advocates of this uh the people that are mostly criticizing this whole thing they'll say that uh, they'll push the line back as far as humanly possible uh-huh 
you know, and, and, and Rom even says like, yeah, well, this is, this is what's copyrightable and this is what's not for now. The problem is it's undefined. And, and in the past, AI generated art has, you know, taken so many years and, and was very, very specific on what it could actually generate. This is taking any random input and going, yeah, I can do something with that. I mean, if you want to see the absurd lengths that a corporation will take copyright and trademark laws, like all you really have to do is look at the constant battles in the music industry. And I've talked or about Disney and Mickey Mouse with Creative Commons. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that's a prime example how Disney has basically manipulated copyright protection in order to keep Disney or excuse me, Mickey in house. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And if anybody's interested in how this shakes out in the music industry, look at uh, Adam Neely's YouTube channel. He does a, he does a lot of really good analysis on this and he'll look at big cases and he will go in and analyze the music and the legal strategies used and be like, what are they saying here? This is what the legalese is saying. Like they're trying to copyright this melody but under the verbiage that they're doing the melody that they're copywriting is actually also this melody from the 1970s and this melody from the 1960s and this melody that you know like barry manilow originated or something you know i'm just making that up right, right. but it's like and it's like he shows the absurdity of it by using their own language against them but those are the lengths that they'll go yeah everybody kind of makes fun of taylor swift for having re-released a bunch of her early albums. Oh no. She was a baller when she did this. It, because any, yeah. It, anyone who who uh said anything negative about that doesn't understand just, what massive cojones it took for Taylor Swift to say, suck it, Sony. Right. You can keep the rights to that music. And she, I'm gonna make new and, stuff. And, and imagine how rich somebody like Taylor Swift is. She wanted to buy her back catalog, all mm-hmm. the rights to it. And they said no. They sold her back catalog to some venture capitalist instead. Mm-hmm. And literally using their own, the own legalese and laws against them, They every time that a movie studio approached Sony and said, we want to use the rights of this in a movie, Taylor Swift had input. She said, no, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. She's just she's denying all of this income to Sony on this behalf Mm -hmm. or on this side of things. But she retains the copyright to the to the ideas of the songs, the essence of the songs. Like she couldn't take those recordings and resell them from the original CDs. But she can re-record them. She could re-record them. And she could sell them as brand new CDs. Mm-hmm. And she owns the rights to those 100%. Yeah. And the re-recordings are great. Like, she took everything she'd learned, you know, lover or hater, it doesn't really matter. I'm not defending, like, I'm not a huge fan of her music necessarily, but, like, she took her knowledge and her experience of a decade or more of making music and applied it to these early albums and mm-hmm. made a really cool thing. Yeah that denied money to a giant corporation. So super cool. <laughs> so yeah, copyright law is intrinsically difficult when it really shouldn't be. It is, it has been, 
manipulated by people like Disney uh, and and MGM and Sony and music and video houses the world over for decades uh, because those large corporations make so much money off of that material. Now, I always say you should be compensated for the material that you create and that rights holders should have ultimate rights over the material they create. But when Disney gets to rewrite the playbook because they don't want Mickey Mouse to drop into Creative Commons uh, because his original appearance was in, you know, Steamboat Willie back in the 30s or whatever it was. Uh, and they're basically holding literary history at ransom to protect their own self-interests when what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to see Steamboat Willie magnets that Disney didn't authentic. That already happens. Like it's going to be worse than magnets, bro. You ever heard of rule 34? Yeah. And Mickey mouse is on the front page every week. Like (laughs) I know, I know I I liked when Winnie the Pooh, I've uh, heard, I've heard. No, you know, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> go see my other channel. Let's go look at your Bing history, bro. <laughs> no. I'd rather just confess the murder. <laughs> yes, I did it. Yes. Um, but it's like when Winnie the Pooh hit uh, the public domain. Or public domain. Were... Excuse, excuse me. I've been saying Creative Commons. I meant public domain. Right. Idiot. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's yeah. like he's not a copyright lawyer. <laughs> Uh, but when Winnie the Pooh hit public domain, uh, a lot of people are like, look, this is what I want to see. I want to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Winnie the Pooh mashup. But it was like all of this like fan art of like Winnie the Pooh with like leather face and like a chainsaw, like bloody and gory. It's like, guess what's the first thing to hit theaters <laughs> under, under public domain of the Winnie the Pooh name? <laughs> like that, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen you're just introducing mickey mouse and winnie the pooh to a whole new world of people that right. only know them as like a brand you right know? i um, i i can just imagine do you want to know the wonderful thing about tiggers <laughs> <laughs> you want to know how i got these scars <laughs> We yeah. do have a couple super chats. We do. Uh, Denver sends over $10. Copyright ain't a straightforward thing, but a picture is worth a thousand words. Maybe the standard for AI-generated art being protectable, but the human creator or agent is o- is the only one allowed to register. And that makes the most sense to me, is a, let's just go, let's break this down, okay? Adobe gives us a lot of phenomenal tools inside of their software. Adobe doesn't get copyright of the art that I generate with their software. Uh, and and that feels like the, the most likely tangent of this because Adobe has AI accelerated workloads in their software already, such as Content-Aware Fill. That's probably the most well-known one where it's their... Uh, erase an object from this image and fill it with pieces of, you know, surrounding pieces of the image to make it look like 
that thing was never there. Hey, I wish these telephone poles weren't in this shot of the desert that I took. Boom, telephone poles gone. You want to mix the sky in with a little dirt and da 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 da. You put a happy little bush over here and bada bing, no more telephone poles. Uh, Adobe doesn't get copyright over that image because I use that particular tool. And even though it is an AI generated, accelerated workload, there's training that goes into that. There's algorithms that were written into that particular tool. Let alone the fact that I'm using Adobe software at all as far as Photoshop or After Effects or whatever the case may be. I don't think Microsoft would be able to retain copyright over the images being AI generated because just because they trained an algorithm because they're still not the ones inputting the queries into their particular software. Uh, when well, I think it's when it's all said and done, if you're using Microsoft to publish something or you're using Adobe to publish something like they've got what they wanted from you, which is licensing fees, right? right? So if you're using Clipart to like publish an instruction manual on whatever, I don't think Microsoft can necessarily go after you if you have a Clipart image in there because you paid your license fees, right? Is that right. how it works? I don't really know, but... I would assume that's how it works, although... I've never seen anybody get in trouble for using Clipart in anything. So right. it's kind of I mean, just like ubiquitous at this point. Right, and again, that's the whole point of Clipart was it was supposed to be a searchable library of, you know, easy to add images into a presentation. I mean, that's the original inception of Clipart. Yeah. Presentation or, you know, posters or media or advertisements or whatever else. Right. It was artistic uh, Shutterstock was basically what it was. It was yeah. qu quick images that you can throw together to convey an overall theme or idea in an easy way within within a presentation or project. So, Right. Yeah. And either way, they got their license fee from you. So, I don't know. And as we all heard, you know, a, a subscription-paying customer or a license-paying customer is infinitely more valued than a free-tier customer or an ad-supported customer. Huh? We've all heard that one before. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Denver sends over another $5. Thank you very much. It is much appreciated. Training images bears nothing in AI copyright as it bears no part in normal copyright. In fact, you're less likely to obtain copyright with other work. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and again, this is all going to be very up in the air until there's legal precedent found. Uh because the way U.S. law works for the most part is unless you establish a law bearing who owns the rights to whatever images or whatever software or whatever the terms of license are or whatever else, it is up in the air. Uh, once it finally goes to court, it'll be determined unless a law gets passed before that or some guideline gets passed before that that makes makes uh, you know, defines the legality of whatever the claims may or may not be. Uh, but it's an interesting question because in the world of monetization and licensing that we like to be in, don't necessarily like to, but it's the reality we live in. It's why we pay seven different, uh, subscription services for TV shows we used to get on cable. It's like, 
it's it's why i mean gosh we have subscriptions for physical products like you can subscribe to amazon and they'll deliver grocery bags once a month you know or trash bags or orange juice or whatever you, you happen to do uh you can subscribe to loot box or something like that too you know like a subscription box where you're literally mm -hmm. getting just like junk essentially I, you know it's I, fun I, junk but I, I i myself have patreon which is technically a subscription you you yeah. subscribe to get access to my discord and the occasional uh you know exclusive content or behind the scenes access or whatever else yeah. that that i can provide uh like this week it was john with a haircut right so. right <laughs> worth a dollar a month in my opinion cut quite a few hairs if, if i'm being honest my favorite dad joke hey did you get a haircut yeah a lot of them <laughs> michael s compares the uh ai copyright or, or sort of ties it in with the nft boom and that's like really the vibe i get from yeah. the whole ai art rush that we're feeling right now it just really reminds me of everybody trying to mint their own nfts like the whole board ape thing at mm -hmm. the beginning of the year like and that's and that's kind of what's like so like uh, soulless and boring about the whole thing is it's just another gold rush for some people yeah and and I liked, you know, somebody, a, tw a Twitter artist that I really like brought up an, an interesting point, which was, you know, there was a story a couple weeks ago about Bruce Willis selling his likeness. Yes. His AI likeness. And that turned out to be not exactly true. The truth was that they were trying to buy his likeness for AI generated, you know, movie making. Right. Um, and he said no. And either way you shake it, if he had sold his likeness or not, that is something that is being denied to artists whose work is being scraped to feed and train these AI generators. Yes. And maybe if every artist, every repository of art on the internet had an option of opting out of it, this would be a different conversation. Then it would be people who... I would almost say, just like everything in life, it should be an opt-in only. Right. Do you want to you make your see... art or this image or this portrait or, you know, this this original creation of yours, do you want this to be added to, you know, AI generation repositories? Right. But then the dark side of that is like you could almost see somebody like DeviantArt, maybe not DeviantArt, I don't know them, but like let's just say a big company, right? And they're just like, mm -hmm. well, if you want to use our service, then you have to opt in. Right. And so it could be as well. These, yeah right and i don't know that's getting really into the weeds about it but i thought that that was an interesting it's like nobody blames bruce willis if he did sell his ai likeness we'd be like hell yeah good for you man because he had the choice to do it same with james earl jones and and the voice of, of darth vader right you know, that was the big thing it's like he had the choice of doing that or not um and that's what's missing from this whole conversation is like not you know, we talk about the algorithm a lot. We talk about the user end of it a lot, but not the people who are having their art scraped. Yeah. And um, anyway, I don't know. We're no experts. But... Luckily, all mine's in video, so it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah. For now. For now. Right. I don't know, man. They already did this stuff with like Joe Rogan and deep fakes and all that. Like, yeah. 
deep fakes are a thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, remember we did a story a couple weeks ago about a teenager, an Irish teenager who figured yes. out uh, how to identify if a video is deep faked or not within yep. like a handful of minutes. Uh, I love the comments that are rolling in. Uh, I see I tuned in just in time to see Rhett's second career as a sportscaster. <laughs> Everybody loves the handheld, man. They do. They do. I got a mic off screen, not a word, but I start doing this and everyone's like, what are you? a you a comic? What are you a I mean, price is right guy? I mean, mine, mine's on a boom arm, like, uh, like a radio broadcast. So, you know what though? Not a damn word about the fact that I matched my clown nose and my cable this time. I noticed. Everybody used to be like, really? You're using a red cloud nose? And a Are blue cable? This? Yeah, exactly. So uh, somebody... How um, embarrassing. Yeah. So I, I spent a bunch of money to get cloud noses and cables of all sorts of different colors, <laughs> specifically because I was using this microphone for a while. But then I, I started using the same one Jeff has got right there for yeah. the last uh, several um, shows. It's a good mic. I really like this mic. It is so good, dude. It's the value proposition of that mic is. It's nuts. Uh, so for those wondering, uh, this is a Samsung S-A-M-S-O-N C02. Uh, it is a pencil condenser microphone. Uh, it's a weird microphone because they don't they don't call it a shotgun. They don't call it a super cardioid. They don't call it a cardioid. They don't. It's just kind of like a general purpose pencil uh, microphone, pencil condenser with a super cardioid pattern. Uh, what that means is it pulls 90 from the front and 10 from the rear. Um, and and there's certain cone, visual cones that you can pull pull down on, on spec sheets on it if you're really curious about that. But uh, it is a very directional microphone, uh, but it does a great job at blending in ambient sound to make it still sound natural without while still not accepting larger noises from not directly in front of it uh it makes a great studio mic uh as opposed to using a shotgun mic indoors this one doesn't have a lot of that crazy bouncing effect that you would get um it's just a fantastic microphone and they're affordable uh back when i bought them they were 80 dollars for a pair uh they're I think they're like 130 a pair right now. Uh, they've just gone up in price, but they are they are still worth every penny. Anyway, uh, yeah. I finally finished my glass of Canar. I'm going to uh, resist the temptation to pour another one because that was just tasty. Uh, and I had another beer lined up, but. I don't think I want to open that one. I don't I don't think that would uh be the Oh, $100 for a pair. Cool. They've come back down. I checked like a week ago cuz I was going to go like Hey, Rhett, I know you've been using that one a lot. Let me just buy another one so I can have one like a second one around here if I need it. And I'm um, like I'm not I already yeah, have I really, a pair. I'm not going to spend 130 on another pair. I really ought to just be better about letting you have access to your own things. <laughs> <laughs> Like that was the big that was the big hiccup when we did the in person. As long thing. as you're not using it for your own stuff. I mean, you know, you are you are owned by the company, by the way. That's true. I totally am using it for my own stuff though. So I know. <laughs> what can I say? I'm just a rebel. Yep. Anyway, uh I'm gonna jump over to my fridge real quick and grab another beer. 
so All I right. guess I guess you have the show for like Mods ten seconds. Asleep. Okay, so we flash forward um, to the island of Vardenfell in the continent of Morrowind. Um, just kidding. I lost the YouTuber. So anyway, like I was saying, um, we're looking at Morrowind. Uh, before uh, Red Mountain explodes, uh, before the Ministry of Truth uh, stops being suspended in time by Vivek, uh, you know, generally before the destruction of Morrowind as it is, um, so <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. That was awful. <laughs> I can't leave you for 12 seconds. It's a meme at this point. I had to. Is this episode also sponsored by WhalePod at Craft Computing? Wink, wink. Uh, yes, I do happen to be hitting my foot on something at the moment. Uh, it was placed there to remind me, and I've... Yes. <laughs> It was placed there to remind him, but it still took a $5 super chat, folks. <laughs> <sighs> In my hands, on my desk, uh, I've got some beer mail. What better time than when reminded by the person who sent it that I should probably open it? Because I've had it for like two weeks. Ugh. Thank so you, Novella. We, we, got, we got somebody in chat who's just like going to the mat for AI art. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, actually. It's going to be the they next big thing, Rhett. They compare, they compare the, uh, the AI art generation to the sweeping art style known as anime or quote-unquote Western animation style um, as if uh, all anime artists literally scraped from one another using uh ones and zeros uh-huh uh, it's pretty it's it's it, it's a it's a far stretch it's a far stretch but we do have to have opposing points of view uh even if they are bad so there no we don't no we don't <laughs> there are some things that are just intrinsically bad I, I get I get what the geeks saying here, and the geek twenty four seven. Not to call you out, a, a specific, you know, in a purely negative light, but uh, he says that art style is not the same as a face being sold for AI likeness. And um, I get I guess you're 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 right. You can't really argue with that, but that's not really what's up for debate. I mean, these AI art generators are literally scraping their art and using that art to then generate an amalgam of an art piece from a thousand art pieces. I'm so confused. Where's... Oh, there it is. Okay. It'd be like if they face smashed like Bruce Willis with a hundred different actors and they were like, well... We're not actually using Bruce Willis. And, like, there's some truth to that. But if you were doing that to, like, get around the fact that Bruce Willis doesn't want his likeness used in movies now that he's done acting, like, that would be pretty scummy, you know? Right. Like, he just looks like Bruce Willis. But actually, he's an amalgam of Bruce Willis and 99 actors that look and act like Bruce Willis. Right. 
finally got it open. Alright, nothing I love seeing more than a whale pod. Ugh. Hurry up already! I'm working on it! Do you, know, do you know how much tape there was on this box? Quite a bit, baby. Oh. Alright, where to start? Ooh, there we go. We got the uh, Adroit Theory Regime. Uh, trying to remember which one I had from Adroit Theory that was also the Cobra Commander. Was it Victory? Viceroy? Something like that? Uh, that is always a good one. 10% uh, Hazy Triple IPA. Double dry hopped with Mosaic and Citra. Hasty. Nice. Uh, we've got another Adroit Theory. Ooh, just in time for spooky season. Very nice. Uh, Evangelion 2, Lilith. This was... Or is a, another tr uh, hazy triple IPA. Double dry hopped, Citra, Eldorado, Galaxy, and Tahiki. Uh, T-A-I-H-E-K-E. -E. Uh, also clocking in at 10%. There you go. Fantastic can art on that one. Let's see. We've got from Modest Brewing Company, uh, Double Dream Yard, Double Dry Hopped New England Double IPA. I'm sensing a theme here with a lot of uh, New England hazies. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, New England Double IPA with oats and wheat malt, hopped and double dry hopped with Citra Cryo... Cit or sorry, Citra, Citra Cryo, Sultana, and Sultana Cryo. Interesting. Uh, we've got from Ally, sorry, ba uh, brewed and canned by Badger Hill Brewing, Shakopee, Minnesota. Uh, Ally, uh, the Ally Hazy IPA, 6.1%. There you go. Let's see. Another Adroit Theory. Uh, I can't even read that. I don't know what that says. This is uh, one of 6,000 cans, though. It is uh, 825 out of 6,000. I can tell you that. And it's a 12% Russian Imperial Stout. Uh... Cohen? Co uh, sorry. I, I don't read metal. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah. Unless you use, like, the the clown fonts, then then I can kind of make it out. But. Uh, ooh. Know what this one is immediately. This is Anchorage Gentleman. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, check out that, uh, that can art. That's nice. That's nice. That is good stuff. Uh, so this one is a double IPA, 8.4%. Uh, a lot of Anchorage IPAs, uh, number one, on top of being absolutely freaking fantastic. Um, a lot of them use a lot of the same recipe, but they will just experiment with random, random hops, uh, to try to suss out some different stuff. So Anchorage, while they are, again, always fantastic is really a great way to get acquainted with what the different hop varieties are 
and start sussing out the flavors that you should taste in other beers that are using those hops because the base recipe is essentially the same. All right, another Anchorage, Do Us Part, double IPA, 8.4%. Are you sensing a theme here? I am. <laughs> Let's see. Another Anchorage Brewing, nice. Uh, Lilith's Breath, I've had this one. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Uh, ooh. Adroit Theory and Decibel Magazine. Extremely extreme Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, again, I don't speak mental or metal. Uh, mental, get out of here. Uh, 200? 200? 200. Yeah, 200. obviously says 200, bro. 200, That's I so think. so obvious. You can't tell that? Yeah. yeah, 200. Okay. Extremely extreme Russian Imperial Stout. 14%. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, on camera, it's a lot obvious, a lot more obvious what that says. Yeah. Uh, Russian Imperial Stout, toasted coconut, cacao nibs, peanut butter, pretzels, and maple syrup. That sounds good. I'll take that one. Right, right. Uh, let's see. Preserved in three dimensions, Saburo and Simcoe Hopped Double IPA, 7.5%. Uh, this one's from the Hot Butcher. Hotbutcher.com. Funny, we have all like these, you know, otherworldly, you know, hell sprung can arts. And then it's like, no, just a hop on a placard. <laughs> Two more. And then we'll get into the uh, final bit of news here. Another Adroit Theory, Hazy IPA, 10%. Uh, Hazy Imperial IPA, uh, Dead and Gone. That is some cool can art there. I like it. Yeah. And finally, one more Anchorage. You can, you can spot them from a mile away. Wake the Others. I think I've had this one as well. Uh, so there we go. Let me guess, 8 point, like oh no, 10%, triple IPA. Very cool. Nobella, as always, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, 12 new episodes of Craft uh, Computing, or maybe a couple episodes here on Talking Heads. I like it. Uh, feel blessed, Jeff. I do, I do. Uh, Badger Hill Brewing one is pronounced ally. Um, yeah, I think I said ally first and then I said alley, but ally. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Anchorage also has an amazing barrel program. Yes, they do. <laughs> Adroit Theory and Nightmare have the most brutal labels. Yes. Uh... Oh, and dry hopping techniques, Michael chimes in, uh, referring to my anchorage, learning how to, like, suss out different hops and different flavor profiles and things like that. Yes, different dry hop techniques. Uh, most of Anchorage's can art is done by an artist called Wolf Skull Jack. She's a badass. I love Anchorage can art. I, it's distinct. You can see... Yeah. You always know an Anchorage can 
when you spot it in the store. It's just yeah. awesome. Done by an artist called Wolf School Jack. Pretty soon done by an AI art generator uh, <laughs> by a username uh, CockHunter420Blazeit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe too much for the, for the 7 o'clock hour here, but... <laughs> Might have gone too far with that one, but <laughs> but I appreciate. And they have X's before their name and right. after. Right. L- little Big Little is how it goes. Yeah. Little Big Little. Yeah. Username Little Big Little. X's. Username 420 Blaze It. Yeah. Little Big yeah. Little. Yeah. Awesome. Demonetized. Yeah. Thanks, Rhett. Um, I stopped monetizing Talking Heads long ago. Honestly, your Super Chats and sponsors are more than I would ever get from ad revenue on here. Uh, so I just gave up. <laughs> You've been telling me I've been holding my tongue these past years. No. No. <laughs> no. Bad. Rhett. I'm saying Bad. this show's not a free-for-all, Rhett, you idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Halt Hunter. You, you forgot the L. No, I didn't forget it. That's how right. you say it. Right. Cock. 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 <laughs> I use cocking on my house. Right. All right. Thanks for the lookout, Dallin. I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> uh, moving on from all the hot cock talk. Uh, <laughs> sorry, had to. Uh, so Novella also... Uh, sent a can a little while ago. I'm pretty sure this was Novella. This might have been John Jay. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who sent this. Um, these are fantastically rare beers. Last beat. That's another metal thing. Right. Uh, so, yeah, but you can read this one. So, from Surly Brewing, Blast Beat. Uh, Sultana IPA. It is a 6.7% IPA. Uh, fruity, dank, and percussive. How's percussive for a tasting note? Love it. That's pretty good. It's blast beat after all. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Novella Hub says he sent it. So there we go. Um, He can just take credit for like every beer and it like might be true. He's like, yeah, I sent that one. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It looks like something I'd send. (laughs) Right. So. Here we go. Awesome. Awesome. I, I am drinking it in a glass that John Jay sent, though. So, hope that's okay. Yeah, where's, where's Claw when we need him? <laughs> Claw is the <laughs> resident cock expert. Knows all things yes. cock. He is. One could say that he is a very good uh, cock handler. Yeah. Lays the best cock out of anyone I know. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. And other jokes. Did I mention I have a second channel, which we might need to migrate to eventually? It's called Craft Extra. <laughs> <laughs> there you can find all things Kalk. Novella, you didn't have to, to put that in, in writing. Like, I, I know there's a second can. Ooh, thanks. But see, I'm getting mixed messages here. He didn't quite tag my handle, so it's really hard to know. <laughs> right. He just said at Rhett, 
He's just trying to get points for looking like he's doing the right thing. That yeah, that, there's another <laughs> rat that you don't know about. He yeah. goes to another school. You wouldn't know him. Yeah, of course. I bet he's Canadian. He just flew back this weekend. You missed him, bud. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you like this content on the show but don't have time to watch the entire show, we do cut it into clips and post over on Craft Extra because holy crap, on-demand content does terribly. Uh, but I like being able to share these clips with you guys because some of them are, are pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Moving right along here, we do have about 20 minutes left in the show. Uh, second can goes to the co-host of the month. Ooh. That's me. Oh, that's co-host of the it's month. It's usually red. <laughs> you know, somehow consistently there for a long time, even though I was only on once a month, I always had the highest viewership. Don't know why. Yep. Don't know why. It was fun. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, anyway, uh, Reverend points out, uh, that if you pledge a dollar minimum to Patreon, you can join the after party where Claw occasionally shows off his cockling skills. Uh, that is very true. And also, again, why I stopped monetizing the live show other than like getting like pennies for, for on-demand playback for it is go join the Patreon. I make a hundred times more than you could ever give me with the exception of a couple people uh, <laughs> from watching this show. Send me a dollar. Buy me a coffee. Join the Discord. Join the community. It's an awesome community. And if you come in there just to troll, at the very least, I still get a dollar. So, win-win. <laughs> but don't come in there to troll. I don't I don't pay my mods enough for that crap. We do Instaban for any me mention of Ventoy. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, we have a deal worked out with Discord where your, your whole username just gets nuked. <laughs> Yeah, my, my dad works for Discord, so we, we can permaban you. So. Yeah. His dad is a Navy SEAL who works for Discord. Yep. Ha has over 100 confirmed kills. That's just confirmed, by the way. Right, right. That, that's not the, the unconfirmed or, you know, the world record, you know, long rifle shots. Like, you know, you know, the it's like the SR-71 goes up to 70,000 feet. Like that's that's what they publish. That's what they're allowed to say. Yeah, that's the DoD contract mm -hmm. uh, in action there. The fine print, if you will. 360 no scope? Oh, that shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, easily, dude. His dad one time had to account for the... Ah, um... oh, damn it. <laughs> I lost it. Uh Hundred confirmed kills using Discord? No, using <laughs> Ventoy. Yeah, he just jumps on Discord and he just harasses people until they like are done with life. <laughs> you're, you're dead, kiddo. LOL. There are some. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, yeah, story. USB C or USB again has a new name and a new spec. USB four version two point because. God, it wasn't confusing enough already. <laughs> uh, so the new variant can hit 120 gigabit per second speeds, which means in theory you could run PCI Express over USB 4, uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, so USB 4 spec 
will run uh, 120 gigabit send or receive or 80 gigabit bidirectional. Uh, so what that means is if you're trying to sling data onto a drive or read data from a drive or RAID array or something like that over a USB-C connection, you could do it at 120 gigabit per second, but you could only do send or receive. Uh, you couldn't do both at the same time. If you want a bi bi-directional or uh, full duplex connection where you can send and receive at that line rate and it doesn't take away from the sending doesn't take away from the receiving or vice versa you can do 80 gigabit which is still good for you know a pci express x16 connection uh you know pci express 4.0 x16 that's a lot of bandwidth that's a lot of data um but uh yeah usb if gave the uh usb for version 2.0 uh, announcement in September. And uh, 40 gigabit per lane, four lanes in total, up to 80 gigabit in either direction. Uh, and yeah, you can go up to 120 gig. As much as I love the backwards compatibility of USB, I wish they would also start splitting up some of the functionality. Uh, because when it comes to ports that support video or, you know, some of the other, like, odd port things, like, like USB optical and things like that, there needs to be a different port for that stuff. There needs to be a different port for ones that support video versus ones that don't. Just from a consumer standpoint. Because there is nothing more frustrating. I would even say even cables that that only support charging should be different from cables that support data transfer. Because I can't tell you the number of devices now that charge over USB-C that will come with a USB-C cable that don't even support data transfer. And I just throw those away because they're pointless. That they, they serve absolutely no purpose over a cable that doesn't cost any more to produce or ship or manufacture or anything else that do support data transfer. Um, then when you get into the higher tier of cables, which also support, you know, video transfer and display port protocols and things like that, finding a cable that is compatible with my MacBook and my new monitor. <laughs> Thank you, LTT Labs. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh. I have three kids. It's a thing. It's a thing. why we call him big daddy craft <laughs> not tech support says i have a few keyboards with the seal copy pasta macro <laughs> I, I saw that you know this is a full custom keyboard i should just program it in one of these days why not i've got plenty of room <laughs> somebody said somebody said uh <laughs> One shot was so long, he had to take time zones into account. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. USB super speed 120 or else that weird guy I was arguing with will get upset. <laughs> uh. Yeah. 
USB charging cables equal good for charging at sussy ports like an airport or an Airbnb. I do see the merit in that. Um, but at the same time, most of the time I'm... If I'm traveling, most of the time I will charge my phone with charging banks or charging batteries. And I will charge the batteries at locally accessible places. Like, I have a battery that I keep with me that will charge my laptop and my cell phone once up to full charge. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's like a 24,000 or 30,000 milliamp battery, but it gives out up to 65 watts over USB-C. So I can charge my MacBook Pro one complete cycle, plus have enough left over to at least charge my phone once, possibly even twice. Uh, not a bad deal. And, and the battery wasn't that expensive. So I like doing that to stay safe. Although I do fully endorse the use of what I like to call USB condoms, which is a power-only cable. <laughs> you can't catch anything if... Uh... Smart. Tech Geek sends over $50. Thank you, as always, Tech Geek. Uh, just got done with work. We'll rewatch the beginning later. Cheers, guys. Cheers to you. Cheers to you, Tech Geek, as always. But poor cable, poor port into a high-dollar device? No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the biggest problem, is sometimes you'll spend big money on cables, and, you know... How many people buy almost exclusively on Amazon anymore? It, as right. much as I hate Amazon, you can't argue with a lot of things. Uh, and yes, I still shop B&H and I still shop occasionally Newegg, although questionable with Newegg. Uh, but if it's on Amazon, it's probably something that I, I'm willing to buy. And uh, how many times have I bought a cable and it's like, oh, that's a power only cable when I was looking for a cable that did video spec and did 65 watts and did, you know, high, you know, high amperage charging and things like that. I was like, well, add that to the collection of braided cables that can only charge things or, Hey, I can only negotiate tier two charging. So 20 Watts. Yay. I actually ran into a device the other day. I don't remember what it was, but it's a device that refused to work with nine or 20 volt charging. It would only work with five volt charging over USB-C. If, if you had a cable that was capable of negotiating more, it refused to charge the device. It would only work with dumb charging. Thanks. That's awful. Yeah, because remember <laughs> USB-C is a negotiated protocol by smart devices on either end, including within the cable itself sometimes. And, uh, yeah, if you couldn't negotiate 5 or 9 or 20 volt charging, it doesn't even default down to 5. It just goes, I don't know what to do. And this device was dumb enough where it goes, yeah, just give me 5 volts. What a dumb device. Yep. But on you know, on the other hand, how many of us have been in that position? We're like, look, we're making this device. Oh, my God, to go through all these extra steps. Let's just let it take 5 volts. Right. And, and I will say, USB-C, the physical port, is a more robust port than micro-USB ever was. Thank God we never landed on on micro-HDMI as a, as a port standard. No, um, that would have been le legendary. That would have been nice, actually. I'm kind of sick of regular full-size HDMI Honestly, ports. I kind of... 
as much as Apple tries to push standards within the industry and then also tweak them to meet their own ends, I really wish we would have settled on like mini display port as the do all do anything port because it is a very positive contact. It is a very grippy port in its design. It has the throughput and the connections to do everything that USB 4 can do in the problem is it's a little bit thicker form factor. And they're like, no, no, we want thin and light devices. And it's like, mini display port's still not that big. But no, we screw you and your robust port. Yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. And the robust port that you have. Speaking of screwing you and your robust port, uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk, uh, CD Projekt Red. Yeah, here we go. Remember how all the media hated Cyberpunk when it came out? That it was like, this should have never been sold. And I agree with that it, it, to some extent. It should have never been sold on consoles. It it was not ready for prime time when it came to lower end hardware. Uh, but if you had a high-end graphics card, if you had, you know, a 2070 or a 2080 at the time, um, it was a very solid experience. And and I got to play it uh, on a 2070 Super. That was my, my main daily driver graphics card. And uh, even with ray tracing enabled and a couple other, you know, magical goodies and whatnot, I played at 60 FPS with, you know, just a couple settings turned down and oh, yeah. enjoyed the hell out of this game. But... I understand not everyone had that same experience. There were some experiences that were just downright awful. There were graphics cards that should have been capable of playing this game that were so poorly optimized, they might have well, as well been playing on a PlayStation 4. And people who tried to play it on the PlayStation 4, oh my god. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, much like No Man's Sky, which is the resurgence tale which, of the last decade... By the way... Everybody knows I love that game. It is so good now. Like, I always loved it. But, oh, my God. Anyway, back to Cyberpunk. I, I will say I had negative impressions at first. Although the problem with... I don't know if anyone's heard my No Man's Sky purchase tale. Um, I, I did not pre-order No Man's Sky. Okay? I stand by no pre-orders. Because digital assets, you can buy when they come out. It doesn't matter. Um, so... But I did buy No Man's Sky on the release date, and it dropped at a weird time. It dropped to, like, Friday at 8 p.m. Most new games come out on Tuesdays. Um, it's just marketing, you know, hey, we do better on Tuesday, so everything gets released on Tuesday. And yeah. uh, No Man's Sky came out Friday at 8 p.m. And I went, I got a weekend. I can, you know, I'll download a new game. I'll, I'll give it a shot. It's been hyped enough. I think it could be fun. So... I bought it, paid $60, downloaded the game, installed it, started playing it. Had no performance issues, really. Uh, again, I was probably playing on a GTX 1080 or something similar when it came out. Um, but it took me 13 hours of gameplay to realize that the gameplay was a mile wide and an inch deep. Because what was supposed to be all of these infinite mechanics and... and uh, gosh, uh, procedural generation and everything else turned into 
you have the same five elements and only seven ships and no AI and, you know, very little combat. And it was a mile wide and an inch deep. But you have to get off world to realize that. It takes you 10 hours in game to get off world. It's a very long tutorial process of finding all the materials and, and being able to upgrade your ship and finally being able to take off. And like, it's an achievement in the game, you know, blast off. Uh, so by the time you realize that a game that could theoretically have 150 hours of gameplay has four hours of decent gameplay and then you're like, well, maybe it gets better once I get off world. And once you get off world, it's the same crap because there's also only two space stations and still nothing else to really do. Um, you're 13 hours into the game and you can't refund it anymore. It was an excellent move. <laughs> I don't think to the developer's credit, I'm pushed back on the idea that it was like a malicious move because I agree. He has been pumping content out. If you follow him on Twitter, Sean Murray, yeah, it's like he loves what he does and he is so grateful for any support that he's gotten. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the result, I feel like, of getting big money injected into your indie project. Yeah. Because if you remember... Sony signed the rights to it and, and that's why they went, we're going to release now. Right. And Hello Games, the studio that made it, they had like a dozen employees... For yeah. like 13 employees. Yeah. Which is not big for a triple A game. Right. Um, and if you ever watch them talk about it, it was like a glorified tech demo. They came yeah. up with this algorithm and it was literally just proof of content. He's like, I could generate this many planets in a game. Right. So the what if we made a game? And they did it, and they launched it. And I think really the big money behind Sony was what really pushed them to launch before, because that, and that not... is, and 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 I guarantee it was Sony that said, no, 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 we need a product to launch because we're approaching holiday season. It, it's October. Right. You need to give us something. Right. And uh, you know, we invested, you know, however many millions of dollars in advertising and everything else. We're going in the holidays. You need to sell. Right. And uh, and whether it was contract, whether it was whatever else, it was, well, we got all this money, but now we have to release a product. The product's not ready. The product won't be ready for another two years, but okay. But I, and, I even think that if they had released it as like early access, like so many Steam titles are, or something else, I think people would have been a little bit more forgiving of it. I personally, and this is the thing, it's funny to go back and watch old Talking Heads episodes because... Mm -hmm. I went on a big rant about this yeah. uh, early on back in Studio Mark One of Craft Computing. And I went into people, I went after folks for like, I was like, you've been buying games for how long and you couldn't see through the corporate like double speak you could you were fooled by no man's sky of but all you games? say that, but I also got fooled because well, I that's what I I That's read I a lot of, not necessarily even the hype material, but you see some of the demos that they're giving off. And, right. And, and you see the dinosaurs and like all of these things. Right. Like, but, but Sean is so genuinely excited about yeah. what he's showing off. Yeah. I've seen hundreds of game reveals and presentations and demos and things like that. And you, gotcha. you, see, you see Todd Murray talking about, you know, Fallout 4. And I'm like, that's a game I want to play. I also see Todd Murray talking about Fallout 76, and I went, that looks like a 
steaming pile of crap. Yeah. Um, well, that that's what I was going to say, though, Jeff, is that you let me go on this epic rant and you mm-hmm. never like you only gave like the most gentle of pushbacks on it. And I'm sitting here like, if you were fooled by this, then you're less than a human being. You're you're an idiot. And but... I'm like, and I spent $60 and I really wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah, it, but... wasn't until, it wasn't until later on. You really gave me a, a more firmer push. And I was like, OK, there there were other people on this on the other side of this that are reasonable that are video game enthusiasts the same level that i am right Um, that i won't necessarily say got scammed but were promised something that simply wasn't there yet right and with video games the traditional lifespan of a game is once it's out there it doesn't get much better and yeah and that that's really how it used to be right like we used to count on getting games that were released and being good from the start um and and that's the thing you know what really got me like i was devastated when i picked up fable and it was trying exactly... to get us back on track because it's eight o'clock Let's bring this back around. I, I was bringing Fable it back wasn't... around because that's that's been the the mo of video games. That's been the life of video games. Is right. you work, 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 work towards release, and and even in modern gaming, you work towards release. You can't test every system in every circumstance and every operating system and every update and everything else to know what it's going to do when it actually gets out into people's hands. You do your yeah. best. You do your best to optimize drivers or optimize your code or whatever else. But once it's out, the game is out. And maybe some people find ways that <coughs> break it in new and inventive ways that it's like, oh, we need to fix that because we didn't anticipate that user reaction. Yeah. So your your day one patch and then your one week patch and then your one month patch comes out. Beyond that, the games are pretty much static. I mean, outside of like multiplayer balancing or or, you know, random things like that, the games don't get new features. They don't they don't yeah. evolve. Right. Uh, and now we're on No Man's Sky version 4.0. Right. <laughs> 4.0. Yeah. yeah. The fifth major update to No Man's Sky uh, version 4.0. And they've introduced a whole host of new features that honestly were promised all the way back in like 2017. Oh, yeah. And, and they're still cranking them out. Uh, now, everyone, everyone, media top to bottom pretty much left cyberpunk 2077 for dead when it released what was that 2020 december 2020 something like that um it's around christmas time 2020 um and let's just say it didn't have the warmest of receptions because not necessarily it wasn't a good story but the technical bugs inside of the game were ridiculously bad uh and it it kind of gives a glimpse into some late stage game development of refining hey what do we do if a player runs down the street and runs back into a section that had ai people do we forget all the people that were there and regenerate everything new do we have the same 
you know, AI NPCs that were there going through a cycle? Do we have this? Do we have that? Well, we don't know yet because we didn't get that far in testing. And so you had the situation where you had NPCs that would like be stuck in a crosswalk. There'd be 30 NPCs that would walk across the street and then walk back across the street and then walk across the street and then walk back across the street. You had broken missions. You had broken quests. You had terrible graphical glitches. You had uh, the T pose was the the probably the yeah the the most you know memed one of like I'm standing naked on a motorcycle driving down the highway in the the character build T pose. Um, there were cars that would just clip through the floor. There were mission triggers that wouldn't trigger. There were a host of technical bugs that being said i enjoyed the hell out of the game as glitchy as it was i enjoy the hell out of skyrim and it's still glitchy as hell to this day like like there is enjoyment if the story and the atmosphere and the storytelling is good enough and i felt i felt the essence of what the game in cyberpunk was was good enough but if you also want to talk about redemption stories we'd be remiss about not talking about Cyberpunk and what CD Projekt Red announced this week. And that is, obviously the new 1.6 update came out a couple of weeks ago, but Cyberpunk has hit a couple of different sales benchmarks and milestones that kind of redeem the original narrative of Cyberpunk is dead in the water. And first and foremost, they've hit 20 million uh, units sold, which is... Not a small number at all. Uh, Secondly, it's not just that they've sold 20 million copies, is that people are still playing it. People are still actively playing it. In fact, every single day over the last four weeks, they have had 1 million concurrent users playing Cyberpunk just on GOG Galaxy and Steam. Huge. That's not counting the DRM free downloads from from GOG or or any of the other platforms. That's not counting consoles. That's not counting. That's Steam and GOG Galaxy. Analytics are showing one million concurrent at the same time. They now they don't give a unique user uh, count uh, in this article, but a million concurrent is still a massive achievement for any game. Because yeah. it wasn't that long ago that Steam started setting records for a million concurrent users, period. That was only like 2016. That was only like six years ago. So now today they're like 14 million concurrent or something like that. But a million concurrent users every single day for the last four weeks and 20 million units total sold. That's pretty solid. That's great. And part of it, of course, is because of the latest update that have just come out and future updates that are planned for 2023, but also because apparently there's a Netflix anime series. Uh, yes. Netrunners. Yeah. Edge Runners. Edge Runners, excuse me. So, uh, you know, hey, if Cyberpunk is your deal, then maybe get out, jump on Netflix, go watch your thing. Maybe go to your local uh, tabletop store pick up your own uh, version of cyberpunk uh, 2077 tabletop or just jump online and and uh play some of cd project reds cyberpunk 2077 and uh check out what is new 
Yeah. Might enjoy uh, yourself. I, I played through the initial campaign uh, the month that it launched, uh, beginning to end. Loved the ending that I got. It was uh, it was dark. <laughs> it was very dark. Uh, but there are still like 15 different endings that you can get in the main campaign. And I guess 1.6 introduced a second campaign that you can play. Uh, so... I think I'm gonna probably jump back into Cyberpunk and uh, and run through as a as a new character, um, because apparently also all of the uh, the origin stories actually have some bearing on the overall campaign instead of just a couple perks here and there. Oh, that's uh, dope. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to some of the tweaks that have been made, and uh, you know, getting to experience Night City for the first time again because Sweet. there's nothing like going back into a game after not playing it for. A significant amount of time. Uh, oh yeah, everyone wishes that. that everyone wishes that they could play Skyrim for the first time again because the exploration that you got to do. I know, Rhett, it's Morrowind, but I, I know, I know. Wake up, son! You've been dreaming. Okay. But yeah, you know. oh, you're you're finally awake. You were part of that Imperial ambush, right? <laughs> Same as us. <laughs> Funny how all the games seem to start almost roughly the same. They really hit their their uh, formula down, haven't they? Well, Oblivion, you didn't wake up. You were just in a prison cell already. That's true with Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I've I've dreamed of your face. Or whatever he says. I don't remember. I've seen your oh, face. You. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen you in my dreams. Oblivion goes hard, though. It's a good yeah. game. It's, it's a very good game. Yeah. All right. Uh, it is nine past the hour, which means we've been on the air for two hours and five minutes. And, uh, I think we're going to call that a show. I will say, uh, the Surly Blast Beast or Blast Beat. Boy, I understand why this is, uh, a very sought after, very expensive beer. It's only 6.7%. Those Sultana hops hit different, man. Those are, uh... Yeah. They're bright in a completely new way. Uh like most of the time if we say like a bright IPA, we're talking about like a like a citrus, like a grapefruit or an, you know, a lemon or an orange. I don't even know the words to explain kind of this flavor profile. White grape maybe. Like Yeah, like white grape and grapefruit. Like like it's it's this completely different, not entirely citrusy, but still very bright. But also incredibly clingy and thick. <laughs> like it's it's uh it's like you took the best of a West Coast dank IPA. Yeah. And just a slight amount of some of that New England lactose uh, mixed in. Not enough to call it a hazy, but just enough to brighten it up and make it a little bit acidic, but it still wants to cling to you. If IPA was a napalm, <laughs> that's what this would be. And I mean that in all the best ways, not of the, like, I'm on fire ways. So... The gods are smiling at me, Imperial. Can you say the same? 
Classic. Yes. Yes. Of course, we all have to kill the uh, the Talos worshiper in uh, in White Run, right? Oh, easily. Yeah. Dude just won't I'm, shut up. I'm not a big fan of anybody who worships the Nine. So I, I, they gotta I, go. Yes, we'll, we'll end. Go. We'll end with if you haven't seen the uh, the trick shot video of ways to kill that guy, go watch the YouTube trick shot video of <laughs> ways to kill the Talos, Talos worshiper in White Run. It, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> my, my favorite is standing on one ed, one edge of White Run, shooting an arrow into the air, and walking, having time to like walk over to him, only for the arrow to come down and strike him straight through the skull. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Daedra worshiping all the way, folks. Uh, Sam's Tech Stuff says, Craft Computing, any chance you were going to try to flash those MI-25s to WX-9100s? Um, I had considered that. I know you can also flash them over to like Vega 56 slash 64s. Um, but uh, I'm still holding out hope. And I actually may have a lead on a driver to make the MI-25s work as MI-25s. So I don't want to do anything that might prevent me from actually getting them working properly in the future. Um, now they have dropped down to $100. I might buy an ex, you know, an extra one or two of them just to have around so I can flash them over to Vega 56s or, you know, WX 9100s. Uh we'll definitely wait and see. Uh I've got oh boy, do I have a project coming up that is going to be massively hard and in more ways than one. <laughs> Yes, yeah. we'll, we'll just say it's gonna that. It's going to take a lot of caulk to do it. A lot of, lot of caulk laying. Uh, so yeah. Uh, no, I am aware of that hack. It does entirely work, but it only gets you one GPU, which Vega 56s are like $120 today. So why am I going through all the headache of flashing a $100 passive card when I could have just bought a Vega 56? Like, like, I understand the appeal if we were still in the mining craze and you get these for $100 versus $400, but that's... It's good information to know, but I don't think it's necessary at this point in time. So anyway, thank you for watching episode 256 of Talking Heads here on Craft Computing. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Join the Patreon. Little as a dollar a month gets you access to the exclusive Discord server where you can join myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Uh, Rhett, anything for the good of the order before we close? Nothing for the good of the order, but you may find me on Twitter at Red is Awesome if you like some of the inflammatory things that I might have to say about life and other things. Otherwise, join us over at the Discord server. I'll be there for sure. I don't find Just, you inflammatory at all. No, you don't. I'm like a good anti-inflammatory waiting to just take down the inflammation anyway rest we'll... like four advil with a with a side of jack like oh god yeah there you go four advil with a jack back please <laughs> That's... make it a double you're right <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. 